Yes, Lord, we worship you this morning. May our words reflect our hearts. We know we don't always live out your worship in our lives the way that we might want to. But today, may you at least see the sincerity of our hearts that we, we want to live in a way that acknowledges who you are to our community, to our uh, families, to our workplaces, our places of study, wherever we find ourselves day in, day out. We want to live that out so that worship is not just something we do on Sundays in songs, but it's something we do on Mondays in our lives and all week. But Lord, um, as we have sung this morning, as we worship your holy name, may that be a reflection of our sincere hearts. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Please take a seat once again. Well, it's my pleasure now, uh, as I said earlier, to introduce our guest speaker for today. We're, we're really honoured today to have with us uh, Director of Ministries of the Baptist Association, as I said earlier, in New South Wales and ACT, uh, Reverend Dr. Steve Barler. Steve, do you want to come on up and uh, please, yeah, put your hands together for Steve. Thanks, mate. Steve, so wonderful to have you with us. Um, before we hand Thank over you. to you to, uh, to share with us uh, from the scriptures this morning, um, first of all, uh, Director of Ministries, Baptist Association, can you unpack that role a little bit uh, for the rest of us here? Sure. What the heck is that? Yes. Yeah, sure. Well, it, it's basically the opportunity to lead the team that serves our 350 churches across New South Wales and ACT. So um, as an association, we connect with churches supporting in youth, in kids, in scripture, in a whole range of areas. And there's probably close to 80 or so staff full and part-time that do that. Um, some in Sydney, some in other parts of the state, and I have the privilege of leading that team. So. Some even here in, in Newcastle. Some even here in Newcastle. Vine? Some even related to those who are up the front this morning. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, Cathy, that's you. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, before you were in this role, uh, mm -hmm. you have a background as a pastor, church planter, I think even economics back in the day. Yeah. Tell us yes, a little bit about your, your homework, mate. That's right. <laughs> tell us a little about your journey to sure, this role. Sure, yeah. So, well, prior, prior to that, you're right, my wife Louise and I uh, planted a church uh, in Sydney, near Sydney Olympic Park in the, in the year 2000. In fact, we were talking just before the service. I think we were in this building about 21 years ago as oh, you church planters. Gosh. Asking, picking Paul and Fiona's brain, uh, uh, picking AJ and Fiona's brains and Paul and yeah, the team here. And um, so, yeah, we, we planted uh, and then I was involved in supporting plants uh, across, our, across our state movement uh, for a number of years, teaching at our college and planting and church planting and evangelism and, and then moved into the role I was I was, I mean, now, uh, yes, and before all that, I was a banker, so, yeah, <laughs> but that's okay, I'm still human. We need, we need bankers <laughs> too, right. don't yeah, we? Exactly. Uh, and uh, uh, you were here 20-odd years ago. Anyone else who was around back, say, let's say 20 years, 20-plus years ago? Yeah, okay. Thank you for still being here. May God honour um, your tenure here. And uh, where's your home church now, Steve? It's still actually at Bayside Community Church, which is, uh, so we still near, live uh, near the Olympic precinct. And um, so it's home church for the family. And, yeah, and I'm there a fair bit of the time as well as off, often around the place as well. Yeah. Fabulous. And, and finally, you mentioned your family. Can you just uh, introduce your family to sure. us this morning? Yeah, I won't get them to stand up, but no. Um, yeah, married to Louise. Louise uh, also serves with our association, oversees the team that support our kids and families ministries across the state. Um, that's it. Uh, uh, Josh and Jordan, both of whom uh, who are in engineering, or and Josh, Jordan's just about to go into engineering, and uni, and Kiara, who's uh, going into year 10. So yeah, and we're up in the area visiting family, so it just worked in really well to be with you this morning. 
morning. Yeah, so. Well, we, we, on, uh, we appreciate you taking time. Uh, we're honored to have you with us this morning. And Thanks, uh, let me pray for you. Thank and then you. that's over Thank to you. you. Uh, Lord, as, um, as Steve shares with us this morning, uh, may we hear you speaking to our hearts, our heads, and, and may it mobilize uh, our hands as well for your service. Be with Steve as he speaks and take his words. Uh, and in the way that you do, by your spirit, would you um, speak right to our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Well, thanks, everyone. It's lovely, lovely to be with you this morning. And yeah, just to think that when I was last in this building, we were just trying to work out how to plant a church. And um, the wisdom that was here at the time and the exemplar that this church has been, not only to me and to the church that came from the little efforts that that the team that I was involved with um, were part of, but across our movement as well, actually. Um, So I guess just up front, I want to say thank you. Uh, for the way that this church and the, and the churches that you've planted have been instrumental in showing the way to our broader movement, what it means to multiply. Uh, and AJ and Fiona, you've been key in that across our movement and others as well. So, yeah, so really, really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, if you have your Bible or your Bible app, whatever, um, turn to John chapter 7, if you could. And we're going to focus in just on a couple of verses in John chapter 7 this morning, uh, particularly verse 37 and verse 38. But as we do that, uh, let's pause and acknowledge that God by His Spirit wants to reach into my heart and your heart this morning and do something new. And that's not unique about this morning. Whenever we come before the Scriptures, it's a living word, isn't it? And God desires to speak in our hearts. So let's open ourselves to that again today. Lord Jesus, Lord of the church, Lord of our lives, we thank you for the way you have showed yourself to us. We thank you that you didn't stay far off from us, but that you came close, understood what it means to be human. We've just come through the season that celebrated that. And Lord, this morning as we look at these few verses that recount some of the interactions, experiences that you had, we pray, Holy Spirit, you will be speaking into our hearts what it means for us today. Maybe some of us are here really desperately in need of encouragement. And Spirit, minister to that place this morning, we pray. Maybe some of us need a challenge um, in ways that Only we know. Lord, do your work in us, we pray. May we not live here the same, but may we live here having encountered you. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 7 is a really interesting chapter. In fact, it's, it's a whole chapter that lands in a space of time in the community in which Jesus was living or the nation which Jesus was living, which was a very special moment. In fact, it was the biggest celebration of the year. It was like... It was like Christmas and Easter and sort of lots of stuff rolled into one. It was a celebration that went for a whole week. And... Um, It was a celebration that meant that many people who lived throughout uh, the land of Israel, the land of Judah, um, were uh, required to come to Jerusalem to participate in the celebrations. And, uh, And so it was chaos, basically. Jerusalem was chaos for a week. 
Has anyone ever uh, done that thing where the kids are pleaded and pleaded to go camping and you don't really want to go camping, so you go camping in the backyard? Has anyone ever, anyone ever done that? A few people? Yeah, or, so it's, it's sort of like... Um, a sort of like the little step where you're not too far away from the bathroom and not too far, whatever. And if a storm comes in the middle of the night, you can call it quits fairly easily. All right. And in COVID, I heard a number of stories of people just so, we've got to do something different, let's camp in the backyard. Well, there was a fair bit of that going on because this was called the Feast of the Tabernacles or the Feast of the Booths. We might think of it as the Feast of the Tents. Basically, God said, this is the time of year when you remember what it was like to be wanderers, to be rescued out of Egypt, to then wander for 40 years and to trust in the middle of that and sometimes not trust that I would come through for you and that you would see a new land. Let's remember, I want you to remember that time And here's how I want you to remember it. Come together, worship, and if you live in Jerusalem, most most people who lived in Jerusalem had flat roofs, go up for the week onto your roof and build a tent and live there. If you're coming into Jerusalem, take a tent or take a booth or, or make some sort of structure to live in in Jerusalem. And so there weren't caravan parks, I guess, and whatever, so you just lived anywhere for a week. And in fact, quite a number of people actually lived in the temple grounds. The temple at that time was about the equivalent of 26 football fields. Like the, It was a big place. And so people, people just came and went, came and went, came and went, and some people lived there for the week. Lived there for the week to participate in these celebrations as they remembered what God had done for them in the times that had passed. Now, of course, the temple itself was the centre of sort of religious life in in Jesus' day. It was the centre of worship. It was the centre of religious power, for better or for worse. It was the place of intrigue sometimes. It was a place where people came to do business. It was a place where God was revered and adored by people of high reputation and people of no reputation. And in this week, it was as frenetic as ever. It was a place where rabbis, teachers of the Jewish law, came to sit and teach. It was a place where there was the centre of the ceremonies that would form part of this festival. And in this passage, it's where we find Jesus. Jesus has been in the temple for a few days now, teaching and talking about the kingdom of God. Some of the language that we've sung about this morning that seems so usual to us would have seemed in some ways usual, but some ways so foreign and different to the people to whom he was talking. There was something radical, there was something different about this rabbi. Jesus was saying some very controversial things. He was stirring people up. The leaders didn't like him. They were starting to plot. And in this ferment, Jesus continues to bring the message of the kingdom of God and what it means to enter it. And then comes the last day of the celebrations, the biggest day of the feast. And there is where we pick up the verses that we're going to spend some time in this morning, verses 37 and 38. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. 
Just imagine you were standing there. You're used to listening to rabbis who spend their time going through the minutiae of the Old Testament law. Uh, that doesn't mean that's bad. That, that, that was their job. Who, who spend hours explaining the details of what it meant to live as a good Jew. This was unlike anything that people were hearing elsewhere in the temple grounds in this moment. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. It's an offer that's strange, that's wonderful, that's, that, that, that draws you in. Uh, what's Jesus saying? Come to me and, and satisfy the thirst that you have built up over your life so far by trying to do it in your own strength. Come, come to me and have your life refreshed and energised by me. Come to me and no newness, no forgiveness. Come to me and experience what it's like to really live. It's an invitation, isn't it, that echoes down the years into a tired and a distracted world. A world full of people looking for purpose and identity in all sorts of places. Nothing new about that, really. Come to me if you are thirsty. Steve McAlpine in uh, a recent book put it this way. What we're facing today is a new religion, one built on a commitment to celebrating personal authenticity at any cost. It's a religion that tries to find ultimate meaning in the self. Whether you've noticed that the, the public discourse, the way we understand what it is to get on in life, this this arising of of, of this this desire that my highest calling in life is to find who I'm meant to be and to live it out, and no one else can tell me what that is. No one else should tell me what that is. I'm going to go on my journey. I'm going to find it for myself, and then I'll be satisfied. And of course, that's in stark, such stark contrast, isn't it, to the, the vision that, that the gospel has for us, that the vision that Jesus even shares in this very moment, that we do not have to create our own identity. In fact, we weren't designed as people to bear that burden. Sure, I mean, humans do amazing things, do creative things. We've done it as long as humanity has been around. But our core identity is not something we have to dream up. Isn't that a good thing? Isn't that a wonderful thing? Isn't that great news? As humans, we are made in the image of God. We don't have to decide that for ourselves. And we've got an invitation that God extends to us to, to step into and live into a God-offered identity as his child, remade in the image of Christ. And that's the invitation that Jesus is giving. In this moment, he gives it over and over again in different, in different ways throughout his ministry. He gives it today. And it's the, it's the invitation that you and I have. And it's the invitation that when I was here 21 years ago, you were giving out to your community as a church and you're still doing it. <laughs> that's the main game, isn't it, for us as God's people? The invitation that we are called to have our thirst quenched have our desire for fulfilment and identity, not tr something that we have to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and discover, but that the God of all eternity has revealed it to us and we can live it. We can live it. 
That's a wonderful thing to think through, isn't it? The legacy of that message in this community. I wonder if you were to stop and think about, maybe you already have as you're thinking about your vision for, for what's coming up in the, in the years that lie ahead, but the number of people that have heard the, that message from here over the last 30 years or whatever. What are your hopes for what that might look like? Maybe for the next 30 years, I don't know. Come to me, says Jesus, all who are thirsty. You know, as we look to the future, this side of, this side of the pandemic, whatever that means, whatever that looks like, um, I think it's a really pertinent question. Will we keep this offer the main thing for us in our own lives? Will we keep this offer as the main thing that we offer on Jesus' behalf to the community around us? Jesus is in the business of taking empty lives and filling them up, filling them up with purpose and meaning and filling them up with all that he has designed for them to do. You know, as a movement, um, you're one of about 350 churches across New South Wales and ACT, and together, a number of years ago, we've committed to, to a crazy vision in one sense, a vision that says over a generation we want to see uh, the number of churches that are doing that triple from where we are now to about 350 churches. Now, we didn't think of this vision like, uh, in fact, the, some of the, the forerunners of it were actually some of the vision around church planning that was happening in the Hunter here. That was the forerunner of it. But as a movement, we've said, what is most important? Actually, this is what's most important. What is most important is that people hear these words, that people understand the opportunity to step into who God could be for them. We need to f- focus our attention on the main game. And that's where we are as a movement. And that's why I know where you are as a church too. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Who was Jesus talking to? Was he talking to people who already understood that? Or was he talking to people who needed to get it? Or, or maybe both? I don't know. But as we listen to those words, as they echo down the centuries to us this morning, here's the question. If Jesus is in the business of taking empty people and filling them up and filling them up with his presence, filling them up with his spirit, enabling them with his strength, with this capacity, the question really is, do I want it for myself? Do you want it for yourself as well? You know, I'm surprised sometimes that I say this is what I want, but sometimes I forget to ask for it. <laughs> sometimes I forget to seek it. And maybe, and maybe it's a barrier of having to admit that there's stuff in my life that that, um, that shouldn't be as it is. Maybe it's, maybe it's having to admit that I'm thirsty. I just think back the last few chapters in chapter 3 and chapter 4 where Jesus has these wonderful engagements, first with a Pharisee, a religious leader, Nicodemus, and then with a Samaritan woman, people at the polar opposite ends of society as it was in the day. But one thing they had in common is that they understood that they were thirsty and they got over the pride of that and they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, show us, show me what it's like to drink and to live. Sometimes it can be a barrier of distraction. I remember reading the... the, um, the testimony of Brother Yun in the book Heavenly Man. I don't know if any of you have read that book. He was a, uh, a leader of uh, Chinese house churches. It's an incredible story. And, but, but one quote impressed on me. He said, 
He said that, you know, sometimes it is hard to live with persecution, but actually Christian believers coming from places of persecution to the West sometimes find it actually harder because it's harder to press into God in the absence of persecution and the presence of distraction. We live in a distracted world. <laughs> we live in a distracted world. And, and so what am I to do in the midst of the craziness of my life, in the midst of the, in the, midst of the, the activity, the freneticness sometimes? I'm to stop. I'm to recognise my thirst. And I'm to drink. How do I do that? Um, I seek him in my quiet spaces. I seek him in my busy spaces. I seek him in my moments of strength, my moments of human weakness. I practice the reality that wherever I am and whatever I'm doing, Jesus is with me. He's here. He's doing this with me. He's present. I recognise my spiritual parchedness without him. Just as we might be sitting here this morning really wishing for something cold to drink. Jesus calls us to recognise that spiritual reality for ourselves and to drink from him. It's a wonderful opportunity. It's a wonderful invitation. But actually, it's only half the story. Jesus continues in verse 38. Whoever believes in me, he says, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. Within them, sorry. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. This invitation to have our thirst quenched is a wonderful invitation, our spiritual thirst, this invitation to, to live in the identity that he has for us and to live in his presence and to let him live through us is a wonderful invitation. But there's more. There's more. And here it is. Jesus is not simply talking about taking empty people and filling them up. He's talking about taking empty people and turning them into springs of water. And there's a big difference between those two things. We are blessed, says Jesus in these words, effectively, to be a blessing. That's the way it's been right from the very early pages of Genesis, in fact. It's the, the dream of God for his people, blessed to be a blessing over and over again. It's the way God has always intended it. And it's true for us as individuals when we've come to know and, um, who Jesus is for us. And it's true for us in community together as his, as his church together. We're called to grasp this and then we're called to live it. I have a little bit of a demonstration here. Um, you know, so often we can think of ourselves as like cups. Like, I want my thirst slaked and I know that Jesus is the source of the water and I'm just... I'm, I'm going to accept all he has for me. And it's like the cup gets filled and filled and filled. And that's great. But a cup can only get so full, can't it? And then, and then, and then we're almost tempted to think, well, after the cup's full, and, and I won't keep doing it because I've got too much respect for this lovely table up here, but if, if I was to keep pouring, there'd be overflow and it'd flow out over over the table. In other words, you know, sometimes we can fall into this mentality that I'll just drink and drink and drink and when I'm full, it'll overflow to others and won't that be wonderful? And Jesus will be evident and I'll be full. That's not what he's saying here. We were never designed to do that. 
we were designed uh, to be filled and emptied, filled and emptied, filled and emptied. Out of us, from us, says Jesus, springs of living water will flow. It's more like the jug, just in the top and out to others, in the top and out to others. And, and sometimes I have to stop and ask myself, who are you, Steve? Are you, are you the cup that just wants to drink and drink and get full and then give what's left over at the end? Or will you be a jug? Will you be someone who lives by the grace of God that says, God keeps filling me and out of that I will continue, I will continue to fill others. I will continue to take the thirst that I had and and the experience of that being slaked and what it means to live with purpose and hope and I will overflow it, give it away to others. You know, there's a, I've thought of this, there's a bit of a risk if we live like this. You know, the closer we get to the top, the, the slower it fills and then it overflows a bit and, and, and we can't take any more. And you know, I've seen people in churches like that. No one here, I'm sure. But, and I've probably been tempted to go there myself. That what happens when you think you're full, you start to grumble a bit. Oh, you know, that, that message this morning probably wasn't quite up to standard or, you know, the Bible study wasn't quite whatever, whatever. No, I, I, could, have, I could have done that. I could have um, you know, sort of done that a bit better maybe. Well, great, go out and do it. <laughs> you know, give it away. Give him away. Give Jesus away. Our call, says Jesus, is to have springs of living water flow out from us. The first step is to have our own thirst slaked, but that's not the end in, our soul, in itself. You know, for the... Further few chapters on in chapter 15, Jesus um, has a different picture. He has a different um, motif for us. He talks about us being, uh, he talks about the vine, him being the vine and we are the fruit. (laughs) No. He talks about, I am the vine, you are the branches. What are the function of the branches? To get stuff to the fruit. I'm not the fruit. You're not the fruit. We're not the fruit. We are the branches through which the life of God is to flow to others. And so when Jesus stands up in the temple in, in the, at, the, at the peak of this feast and people are straining to listen to him and leaders are over the side grumbling about him and wondering how they can get rid of this radical rabbi and, and, and the celebrations and sacrifices and people, it's all happening. When he stands up, unusual, shouts out at the top of his voice, unusual as a rabbi, this is the message he gives. Come to me, anyone who is thirsty, and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Friends, let me ask you a question. As we begin this year, as we begin the next stage of post-pandemic life, as our kids start school, as, as the routine gets up and running again, as we have opportunities to make choices about what we will give our lives to this year, 
Can I ask you this very simple question? Will you be that river of living water? Will you, will you be that jug? Will you not be satisfied with just being a cup? Will you take the privilege that it is to have your thirst slaked and invest that in those whose entire eternal destinies depends on them understanding this as well? Jesus' call is as strong as ever to us, a call to thirst after him, a call to lay aside our barriers of pride, our barriers of distractions, our barriers of fear, whatever it might be, and to drink deeply of him, to be filled to the brim with him, but but to offer him to others. Just as the musos come up to lead us in um, in the final song together, can I just ask us to pause for a minute? Um, That's the cue for the muse. Ah, good. Excellent. (laughs) As you begin this year, as all the routines start again, if they haven't already, as that that wrestle that, that you feel at whatever level you feel it, to not get sucked in again just to live from event to event, from routine to routine. Will you hear these words? Will I hear these words? Will I be conduits of the amazing grace of God to others? Will that be the hallmark of who I am this year? Just bow your heads with me, will you, for a moment. Lord Jesus, each one of us live We feel such ordinary lives. We spend so much of our time doing ordinary things. And yet, and yet this offer you give to us is so extraordinary. We thank you that you haven't left us to determine our own course, chart our own course in life, but you you want to live your life through us. You want you want to take the spiritual thirst that we feel and fill it with your grace and strength and love and forgiveness. Lord, we stop in this moment again to say yes to that. Whatever that means for us this year, Lord, help us to say yes to that. And as we do, Lift that rise again. Lift our eyes again, Lord, please, to those to those around us who are yet to taste the cool, the clear, the refreshing life of Christ for them. Help us to live not as cups, but as jugs. Jugs that understand and and live out and be that spring of life through the grace that you've given us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.